0: This was about as bizarre and as easy as it gets.
1: So the number for me was a number that would allow me to
0: never have to work again. I feel like we got top, top, top. I went from a sale of you know, $500,000 to in debt. $192 million. This is Built to Sell Radio with your host, John Warlow. Okay, so what are the numbers on your company's dashboard? My guess is you look at your company's revenue and profitability. Which are two great metrics to track, but there are another eight key drivers of the value of your company that go well beyond just revenue and profitability that are the things that acquirers want to know about. Going and getting your Value Builder score will help you look at your business through the lens of an acquirer. takes about 15 minutes to do. Go to valuebuilder.com to get your score. Coming up next, you're going to hear from David Heimlich. Here's a little secret. David almost said no when we started to talk to him about recording this interview because he said, look, you work with much bigger companies than the one I sold. You're talking to people who have sold companies for hundreds of millions of dollars. Nobody's gonna be interested in my little business. And I said, hold on, David, your business is perfect. There are so many lessons in what you've done. David took a sports league and that was highly dependent on him personally and transformed it into a sellable company pay special attention to the steps he took to make it less dependent on him and the unique role pricing had in his ability to do that he'll tell you about the first offer he had for his business which was a non-offer because it was too dependent on him and how he reshaped the business and ultimately sold it here to tell you the entire story is nation leagues David Heimlich David Heimlich. Welcome to Built to Sell Radio. Oh, thank you. Uh, great to be here. Thank you so much. You had a cool business, Nation Leagues. Tell me about it. What did you guys do? Uh, Nation Leagues uh, was an organization and we ran
1: recreational sports geared towards adults. Um, I started running floor hockey and uh, the way that came about is I was finishing school and playing uh, in a floor hockey pickup game myself. And I was thinking what business to start And I thought, you know what, I love this, Uh, let me run some numbers. And so you know what, if I ran floor hockey full time, it could be a really good business. And from running floor hockey, then it it said, you know what, the parallels, I, I started adding dodgeball, volleyball, basketball, softball, soccer, and then next thing you know, I was running all these seven different sports.
0: Wow. It's so funny because you know, I've got kids and i spend half my life like driving them to various, you know, like sporting activities. Right. And and sometimes there's a little part of me that's a little jealous, right? Like I drop them off and there they go out running off and I'm like, I would love to be doing that right now. <laughs> and you know, so I'm just sitting there watching them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Those are the best times at the start getting to play and be paid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And I mean, I, 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 can see that the, uh, the immediate appeal and the immediate business opportunity because you know, in your twenties and thirties, you still want to do some of these things. It's not like you've lost the love of whatever sport you, you enjoy. Uh, yeah. So what was the business model you charged a participant to join a league? Is that how it works?
1: Yeah. So players paid a registration fee either individually or by a team. And, uh, that's where the revenue was generated mainly. And the expenses were, you know, sites, so permits, um, and things like that, uh, regular advertising costs and people costs. Yeah. And so how did
0: you, I don't, you know, I understand you didn't have a ton of money to start the business. How did, how did you get marketing going? How did you get people to join the leagues?
1: Well, I'll tell you, actually, I started the business with $0. I had a (laughs) $60 loan from my dad to go out and buy $60, $60. They were $30 hockey nets from Canadian tire. And then actually I got the school to lend me their nets and I returned them back to Canadian Tire. So We started with $0. And the first thing I did was I got six, groups of my friends together that, that's the very first thing and we uh, on opening night there were six teams six groups of friends and from there it was really just i was telling everybody i could who knew about it and i was having everybody who was participating telling everybody they could because uh, it was such that. a in order for you to participate your friend needed to participate so it was really just having everybody and i was working on it yeah it was pretty much trying to get the word out as much as I can. It was very word of mouth. I was talking to everybody I knew, whether I even haven't seen you in 10 years, you know, I haven't seen you five years since high school. I was telling everybody if I came across you on the street and you had a sports bag. So I was doing everything I could, that kind of, that kind of way right now. This was in 2007. So kind of like getting together on the internet and having like really powerful facebook groups like that was just coming about it wasn't so huge instagram came out i think a little bit after that so like it was really like uh, i was really telling everybody i knew that's how we got
0: going in the start so it's like the ultimate network effect business right because as you as you point out like if you want to play basketball with a bunch of buddies like you you got to get your buddies involved and it's great (laughs) how did you overcome the objection from customers who said like, why do we need, him like, we can, if we want to get six guys together to play basketball, like we don't need to pay him money. Did you have that uh, objection from time to time? How'd you get overcome it?
1: Yeah, for sure. Because it, when I first began, um, yeah, there was like a, a lot of, uh, there was a huge learning curve. Right. But the way I designed my league was, because I'm I'm a very easygoing guy, I wanted the league to be very easygoing. So there were a lot of rules in place or a lot of rules removed that that you wouldn't find in other leagues to kind of make sure that anyone could come in at any level you wouldn't have to learn a ton of stuff. You wouldn't get burned by uh, arbitrary rules. Like you can just come in and have fun. So why people came and uh, it was as true as on day one as it was in the end when I sold and I told people and, and they were congratulating me and say you know because I really made people feel like uh, they mattered when they came Mm. that was it whether whether your issue was severe or just something you felt like you had to share everybody felt like they could Uh, whether it was beginning directly to me or near the end when it was to my staff and they knew that it would come to me in the end um, I will I always made sure that everybody felt welcomed and um, appreciated now how big?"
0: how big did you get this business because in terms of either number of part-time staff or number of people in the leagues like give me a sense before uh and we're going to talk about it in a moment you came to the conclusion that that uh you couldn't keep running this company forever how big was it when when uh, when you came to that conclusion
1: so on opening day there was 46 registrations and at the time i sold there was nearly uh 3 registrations wow and That's uh hilarious. you know there was roughly 30 or so staff all around town mm-hmm. and uh also we were working with a few other partners who had their own staffing crew so it was that would that would bring in like umpires and referees and things like that so we had it reached a, a good number of people yeah, and, and different from, locations. From two
0: hockey nets and 60 bucks. It's a, right. it's a big, yeah. uh, it's a pretty big transformation, but, but you went through a period, a quite a dark period in your life. Maybe, maybe you could talk a little bit about that and what, what, what that led to.
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, I started nation leagues when I was 21 turning 22 and this was in 2007 and then uh early in 2010 so i had been running the league for about two years i had garnered uh, a lot of excitement things were getting busy i was running uh, two three nights a week which was and at the same time i was building my business i was still working um two or three other jobs at the time getting nation leagues ready to go i just added another another sport another sport and early 2010 i fell pretty ill um it was a very tough time uh, going through the health system because it was never really it was very it was a, uh, an illness that was very difficult to diagnose uh, but the immediate facts were that I had instantly become bedridden more or less I had uh, I, I weighed 210 next uh, within a month I was I weighed 170 I was suffering from knee pain and, you know stomach pains uh, dizziness headaches uh, cloudiness um, so pretty much I was totally better. And this was just before the summer of 2010. And, uh, what happened was we, I finished off the final season of hockey and I just started a new sport and we finished off dodgeball and summer came. And at that time I wasn't, I wasn't running anything in the summer yet. And, um, and, uh, so yeah, I was, I was pretty ill and and I was not sure what to do. Uh, and I, you know, one thing I shared, I'll share that. I, you know, during this time, first of all, I learned a lot about myself and a lot about the health system. I learned a lot about operating the business more so because I had an opportunity to pause and look at it. And I said to my dad, I said, you know, dad, I can't get out of bed. You know, I'm 25. All my friends are living their lives. I'm 25. I'm lying in bed. And I said, you know, I, I don't know what it'll be. I, I think I have to shut down nation leagues and nation leagues had just picked up a lot of steam that year and you know he said you know you could close it but uh, that sh- certainly won't help you feel any better you know I said you know what you're right so I spent the summer preparing for the fall and the fall was again super successful like I was really growing like 30% year over year at that point hmm. and so fall came and it was even more busy and I, whatever I was suffering from I hadn't recovered from yet and I was still very exhausted all the time, fatigued and uh, winter came and I said, dad, you know, I, I just don't know what to do. I think I have to try and sell the business.
0: And is, and just for clarity, David, is your dad a partner or or a, a mentor just being your dad, a guy a sounding board, a guy to help.
1: Yeah, just a very close friend, right? So just, yeah, okay. uh, always there and uh, very supportive. Yeah.
0: Okay, great.
1: And uh, so what happened at the time when I thought, you know, I got to sell, I, there was a there's a very large ball hockey league in the city and uh i, I reached out to them and i said you know what i run this business i'm i'm I, i'm i'm thinking i sell you know i didn't share that i was ill i shared you know i just said you know i have a strong opportunity coming up and i think i want to sell so one guy phoned me back who was the owner of a really large of, of the ball hockey league and we got together and we, we you know he's we ran over everything that i had know i was i was very open there was nothing i really had to hide and he didn't ask me too in depth anything that i wouldn't want to answer anyway so we shared and and uh, he said okay let's digest you know and um from there uh he came back to me a little bit later and he said you know like uh, i'm kind of interested in getting into this recreational sports uh area but he said I'm looking at what you have and uh, you don't really have a business here you have a job you know if I remove you the bit there's nothing there's nothing to done to be done I can't even really hire somebody to do what you do because you don't make enough to do it full-time and I I said well you know that's that was like uh, you know I, I didn't really feel too hurt or anything like that it was just like a really like okay that's a pretty interesting perspective because I know that you run you have like a way 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 bigger operation than me so let me think more about what you're talking here you know and I looked into it and I kind of you know i i asked my dad and, and he was saying well if you think about it you're thinking about nation leagues from the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed you know so calculated and i didn't you know i was, I was making like maybe five dollars an hour you know i said you know you could get a job you know I, without without having to worry about all this i could probably get a job and better right
0: and and david at this time are are you you're still quite sick at this point while you're having these initial conversations you're still not feeling yeah, it, 100 okay. it
1: was an ongoing thing and uh there was no recovery timeline in sight and uh so every day was Mm. filled with so much uncertainty uh tons of pain uh i had picked up mindfulness at this point because i needed i was i was trying you know medicine wasn't working um and i was so i so i was looking for another way to uh to kind of try and heal myself, which mindfulness was a big, big factor in my recovery.
0: When you say mindfulness, you're referring to kind of meditation and the entire sort of discipline of, okay. Yeah.
1: There was one period I, I meditated every day for four years from that point.
0: Yeah. Okay. So this guy says, Hey David, love your business, but it's really just the job. So what did you do next?
1: So when I was looking at those numbers, I thought, okay, you know what, that makes total sense and I said okay well so here's the deal as it stands the business can't continue so what am I gonna do I at that point I was able to kind of reflect stronger on what I'm really operating so I was able to kind of write down job descriptions for everything that's happening in the business every touch point that's going on where you know that may seem like a a, a, a starting point no matter what. But you know, when I started nation leagues, I was, it kind of evolved, you know, and I was doing everything. So I never really had to have these kind of things written down. So I wrote out job descriptions for every touch point of the business. And I kind of wrote out, okay, where can I hire people to do things on site? Because I can't go to site anymore every night. I'm, I just can't function that that way. Right. And you know, the, it, and, um, uh, for the business to grow because I can't be in two three places at once because now I was running two, three, four leagues on one night. I, I need staff. So I thought, okay, I have to pay these people. And I rat, and I put out a, a budget and I said, okay, I have to raise prices to afford to pay all these people. And, uh, you know, one, one nerve I had, which I feel like some people might have is like, well, if I raise prices, people are going to leave this, or that, you know, but, but the decision was even easy because if I didn't raise prices, there's no business, and if I do raise prices and they leave, there's no business, so it doesn't really matter either way.
0: So <laughs> Necessity is the mother of invention, isn't that what they say? <laughs> so it became a, an easy
1: choice. So, and uh, you know, not only that, uh, the reciprocation to raising the prices was positive. The, the league continued to grow. I was I was running a very a very well run league, and I raised prices and. I hired staff to put in all these locations so that game uh, uh, events can run from start to finish and they can just report back to me. And, uh, you know, whereas sometimes it might be difficult to let go, you know, it was, I really had no choice. I, I couldn't be there anymore. I, I needed to figure out a system that worked for me not to be there. So I hired two to three staff and for each location. And from there we went.
0: David, how much uh, of an increase in, in fees was there? So I'd be curious, like if I was going to join a ball hockey league, as an example, what would I have paid, you know, before the, the, the increase in price for, to be part of that league? And then what would be my price be after the increase in price?
1: Well, you know, I, 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 always tried to offer a very fair price. And, mm-hmm. uh, but to say at the very beginning, uh, it was about you know, I would average $3 a game, which is very fair. And after that it was $10 a game. So I almost tripled it in a way.
0: Wow. Okay, great. Which gave you the money to pay the staff and and allowed you to step away. What else did you do to make your business less dependent on, on you personally?
1: Well, you know, not only that staff were there, I gave them the kind of responsibility that they needed to, Uh, get the job done but in these job descriptions and um, and the roles I made I put in protocol I put in operations manual so that no I really tried to think through and through the experience everything that might happen there was an answer for so that there was no ambiguity and all these things that pop up where things can get out of hand when the person is on site running the event so aside from that, I put together, uh, not just job description, but operation manuals, um, very detailed ones for every role pretty much there so that, um, everyone knew exactly what to do when something happens and what's the results going to
0: look like. And there are these, there are these software companies now that will allow you to, to document your operating procedures or the operating manuals. Did you use a software or did you just like, like a word Microsoft word document. And you just kind of gave them a, like a Microsoft word document to follow.
1: Yeah. I built, I built my own systems pretty much through word and Excel. Okay. You know, just, uh, there were, there were a lot of, a lot of, uh, programs. I, I learned more about near the end. Uh, but at that point when you're running something for 10 years and you have, a you know, my system was working and, uh, and so I stuck with that one t- till the end.
0: David, how did you ensure? Cause I think a lot of people listening will go, yeah, I've heard the advice to create uh, an operations manual and employee manual before, but I, you know, I, I put all the work in and then nobody follows it. Oh, yeah. How did you ensure compliance? How did you ensure that those, those guys and gals that you hired actually followed the process that you would outline for them?
1: You know that's yeah that's a really good question and and I think this is something that I really excel at, um, you know I'll do my best to kind of quantify it in words, but the idea is that I removed all ambiguity, you know, and uh, I made it so simple and step by step this is what you do, and the idea was uh, first off those who didn't want to follow it didn't stay, you know, you were fired if you did not follow the rules you know Uh, because there was a hierarchy of that you know safety is a top concern customer service top concern you know it was a great opportunity that that you have if you're looking for uh, a job right Uh, so this is the best place to kind of be if you love sports so uh, people who didn't fit that bill I removed them and the ones who did you know kind of understood it so it, it was already kind of ingrained in them that um you know uh, they're very em- empathetic to the to the participants that wow you know if i was playing i would want it to go this way so th- i made sure that the staff were had that had that uh, characteristic of empathy that they could they could uh, relate to what's going on and be able to deliver it themselves but in terms of the manual themselves i made them as clear there was no politics involved which is a strong part of nation leagues that Things just flew in that way. Things just didn't get in the way like that. If uh, something needed to be done, you know, we addressed it if we thought it was out of the ordinary.
0: And how, how, so you're, you're implementing these processes and these systems. uh, You're tripling your prices. You've, you've hired these people. How is your health evolving during this time? Are, are, are you still feeling horrible or are you starting to improve like just give us a sense of, of where your health is at at this as as this evolves
1: so it, it took about 4 years like wow. i mentioned until like i started to be able to go on it on a daily basis without worrying if fatigue would hit or illness would, you know i would if i would feel sick or in pain so yeah it took it took a little while for for that to happen
0: and um, Did you ever diagnose it? Did they ever figure out what was wrong?
1: It was never, it was never entirely diagnosed. That's was <laughs> it's a big, it's a big mystery, um, which may be a topic for another part. If you live in Canada, you live in Ontario, you, may, you know, there's some stuff that they're kind of bringing to the news now that uh, doctors kind of avoided diagnosing previously. So mm-hmm. it's kind of suspected that, but nothing was ever fully diagnosed. So I, I, it, it was really always on me. And, you know, I'm very lucky that I had such a strong support system at home with mm-hmm. my parents, my brother, my sisters, and um, you know, my friends mm-hmm. who uh, were well, my closest friends who could have kind of under, you know, uh, uh, be there for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah.
0: So take us through the sale now, because at some point, um, you decided to actually revisit this idea of, of selling nation leagues. What was the triggering event? Like what, what caused you to come, come back, circle back to that idea?
1: So actually, uh, we, we were approaching the end of, uh, 2016 and, uh, or early 2017. And I got a call. I got a call from the owner of, uh, another operation and said, you know, would you be interested in, um, in selling, you know, and I, and when I you say uh,
0: another operation, do you mean another sports league operator?
1: Yes. Okay. Got it. So, uh, you know, I said, I'm first of all, they were very successful and, uh, also had a very strong reputation. And so I, uh, actually I had a mentor at the time and I shared with them and he said, okay, so you, if you, if you want just go and hear what they have to say, that's pretty much it. And, um, so I brought my dad and we, we said, I said, you know, I'm, you called me, I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to listen. The floor is yours. You know? Yeah. And so where do we, where did it go from there? Well, she shared, the, the, the owner. She shared kind of why she called me and, and her, and her goals. And we just chatted a little bit and she shared her story a bit and there was. I said, okay, so, you know, I'll digest and, um, we'll kind of go from there. And so the next step was kind of signing an NDA and then sharing some very high level information about, uh, about the business.
0: What were the, what was the, what were the data points they were most interested in about your company? I'm assuming things like revenue were important. Like what what, what do do they want? Like,
1: like uh, yeah, I guess, um, you know, if someone wants to uh, see what a business is about, they kind of want to see their, their balance sheets and stuff and mm-hmm. uh, kind of know, uh, you know, what are your main assets, you know?
0: Got it. And so at what point did the, did the conversations go from kind of information sharing to, to, an, did, did they put an offer on the table for you? What was that like?
1: Well, so um, when it, yeah so the you know uh, when we discussed um when we shared this you know we, we had this high level information out there it was kind of you know maybe clarifying some points of it and then it was you know hey do you want to get together and i'll make an offer so we got together and heard an offer you know so um what what i did you know of course uh, during this time i'm also discussing with my mentor who happened to also sell a Very big business himself, so he kind of gave me some insight into how it might work, and and so from there, after the offer was, was,
0: what was your? Sorry, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead.
1: So, uh, so so, you know, after the offer comes, kind of a letter of intent, Mm -hmm. which lets you know, hey, we intend to follow through on what we've discussed. Um, Now you can share more in-depth detail of your business before we go seal the
0: deal. What was your reaction to the offer?
1: I, I think in discussion, it was very fair for both. How, was, did uh,
0: you, how did you come to that conclusion? Like, what were you, wh- what were you doing to try to put a price on your own business? Like, how, how did you sort of figure out in your own mind what you thought it was worth?
1: you know i guess it's really um it's, it really, what it really i feel it was is it's it's a it's a it's a it's a really like a tension kind of between uh what is your business worth on paper and what do you feel it might be worth emotionally right hmm. and you really don't want to let either one of those things um sway you the wrong way you know Uh, because it's easy to say uh, especially if you're planning to have the deal go through that's the idea
0: and in your case was what it was worth to you emotionally more or less than what it was worth on paper
1: you know that's a to phrase it that way I mean I really made sure that they were aligned Okay. because if they're not aligned i mean at least for me i don't know how other people would operate but if they weren't aligned there would always be uh, uncertainty right so whether or not it was or wasn't like you make i made sure that they were aligned that the number was aligned with what i felt with both um it, it is it is worth and what i feel it's it's worth and uh to to be a successful sale and uh and then that that's where we ended up
0: what sorts of things did your mentor what sorts of advice did your mentor give you when you when you'd received the letter of intent you mentioned you went to see your mentor what were the points that they raised as things that you should be be thoughtful about
1: um it was it was it was kind of more before even we we met it was that you know you kind of had to to think what kind of questions are gonna pop up what kind of questions are gonna pop up and you know what's your answer to them and what do you want to be you know what do you want to what does what your answer want to be for these kind of questions so and uh, you know that was an interesting way of thinking that uh, you know you, you may not always approach a conversation right but
0: it's, what sorts of questions like, did, did did you rehearse in your mind
1: like what to say when the, uh, when the offer is made. Right. So how, but these are negotiation tactics, which, you know, some may be stronger with, right. So how do you respond with an offer? You know, what, uh, you know, and how do you, how do you not offend? How do you not offend coming back? Right. Or, or, um, what kind of information do you have? You know, what not to say more of that, you know, like what? What, not, what not to say to get, you know, to distract from the, uh, from the offer.
0: Right. Yeah. So what did he suggest that you not say? <laughs>
1: Well, just, you know, sometimes you may have to be like, Oh, you know, it might, I have, I have X, Y, Z, you know? Uh, so that's why it's worth this. It. You no, know, that doesn't matter. You know, you're only talking number, need number, do you want it? Not okay. Uh, c- can you come up a little bit, et cetera, things like that. Uh, you know, I would appreciate it. And, um, and just kind of going like that.
0: Did you ever get David a question, David, why do you want to sell nation leagues?
1: Yeah, for sure. I got, Oh, from them.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you know, like, I'm, not, I'm not so sh- I'm not certain if they asked that in specific, maybe they asked, you know, what's your plan? You know, would you like to stay how on? Did you,
0: how did you answer that? Cause, I mean, I'm just looking at you on screen here. You're, you're a young guy. Like they're, they <laughs> they must have in part be wondering like, why does this young guy want to sell?
1: For sure. I think, and, and that kind of came with uh, the idea of, just I said you know I'd like to keep that close to my chest you know and it was just it it was it was um, not that it has to be uh, exactly shared you know if you're asking me uh, what I said or what I was feeling though they're two different questions you know
0: sure so what what were you feeling and what what, how would you have answered (laughs)
1: You know, so that's the other part, you know, like uh, selling a business is such a deep question, you know? So maybe some of that's like, why'd you sell, you know? Well, like it's it, it, oh, how can I explain to you 10 years in a, a simple question? Of why did you sell like uh, it, so the kind of thing is, you know, you really, I really evaluated, okay, like where did I bring this business over 10 years? You know, what did the business look like in the future? What did my life look like in the future? You know what does my life look like if I sell? What does it look like if I stay? Um, and there's so maybe like the so many different touch points. And when you waited, you came to the answer. You know, but when you're when you're when you're you know like a friend or something who asked you, you know like why'd you sell? You know like well if I explained it to you, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't understand because you're not running a business. But for somebody who's running a business, if you're thinking of selling, the idea is well come you have to come up with all the different things you like you really have to write them out and think about all the pluses and minuses that might you know what will your life look like and, and all the and which uncertainties will you have and which are you comfortable with and and um, you know some people think the process of sale is oh you sold boom it's done but no you know depending on the arrangement like uh, there's a uh, post closed duties and things like that and Holdbacks uh, and things like that. So you know, you really have to. What's a holdback? A holdback is kind of like uh, you know, if you've ever ever hired a you know um, someone to do renovations on your house, then they may you know the the project may cost ten thousand dollars, but you don't pay them ten percent till the very very end. Mm. So you might pay them you know ten percent one year later when make sure that everything that they built is as it says. The so back is where money is kept back from what the price is.
0: And, and in your case, was that contingent on you hitting certain performance goals in the future? Or was it that just simply that they, you got through the process and were able to demonstrate that you didn't fudge anything. You didn't make anything up.
1: Right. So in the sale, you kind of, um, come to an agreement about how things will look like after the sale Mm -hmm. uh, on various points. And, uh, and then uh, at the end of the time period you know you you know uh, so with us you know we were both worked together very great and it was a successful sale all the way through so uh, everybody delivered on everything that they said they would and there was no troubles i know from speaking to m- my mentor and other people that sometimes you get to that period and there's a big dis- there's a big non there's not an agreement on, on how things go and the holdback is really up in the air. And
0: but to be clear in your case, David, the holdback, what I'm trying to get at is was it you know, sometimes you'll hear this reference to something called an earnout, where someone will buy your business and say, Okay, David, if you grow nation leagues as a division of our company by fifty percent, we'll we'll give you even more money for your company. Whereas a holdback traditionally I I think Sometimes you know it will be discussed as as an as money, but put in escrow that is really just there to verify that what you claimed during the process of selling your company is in fact accurate. Was yours more of an earnout where you had goals, or more more uh, of a traditional you know money in escrow that was just there to validate what what you said was was truthful?
1: You know, I'd say it's. um, it was, it was almost kind of a, a mixture. Oh, you know, okay. I'm, I'm not sure how much I could share, but there were phones okay, that needed to be, um, shown yeah, and, uh, and, uh, time committed and, uh, they were all met.
0: What was, um, what was your dad's advice during this process? He's obviously been a strong mentor for you. What, what did he say when you received this letter of intent?
1: you know, first, uh, if even before he thought, uh, are they for real? You know, I'm like, are, are these people for real? Like, um, how do you know that they're not just dicking you around? Right. And that's kind of why we, you know, you didn't really share too much before the letter of intent, but because a, a letter of intent is a, is a real document. You know, you can't really, I mean, maybe you could, but you'd have, it would, it's messy. I, I imagine it, at once the letter of intent is online. So long as you guys say, you know what you said, Really, very, very proud because he was there when there were, when it was uh, just an idea. In fact, he was there when I came up with it. We were on a plane taking a trip uh, to Vancouver, and I showed him the paper and I said, "I'm going to run a ball hockey league." And uh, he said, "Okay." He'd never heard of ball hockey in his life. So <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Okay, sure." <laughs> but uh, when the when the, when the came, he said, "Okay," and he said, "You know," he said similar to the same thing actually that my mentor said. I, I got the call. And I said, listen, I got a call and they so they want to sit down with me to, uh, to see about buying the business. He said, okay, you are far from the business being sold. That's number one. So if you think that it's like tomorrow, the business sale, you're don't even, that's not how it works, you know? Mm-hmm. So make sure to be patient, you know? And that was more or less same thing. My dad says, so, okay, just be patient. You're doing your own thing. Still keep working hard stay focused and and uh don't get too distracted
0: what was his reaction when the check cleared your bank account
1: <laughs> well i don't uh, i really only shared it with my dad because i know that people have a lot of might, might might have misconceptions of what selling your business is like what you think you sell your business and boom and you know they don't know about the six months of grueling you know uh due diligence and stress and all, and all these things that come with it so i came home and i I, uh, my parents were in the kitchen. I brought the check and I, like, oh, I sold Nation Leagues, you know? <laughs> my mom was like, what? Why? Like, they had no idea. My dad's oh my God, it's crazy. And yeah, it was very, it was very like one of a kind moment for sure.
0: Well, they must have seen you through the darkest days as well, right? So they would be especially proud, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, it was wild. It was really, uh, like a super long road because no one knew what was going on really, you know? And, uh, so yeah, they watched me really bounce back and, uh, work hard and yeah, they were super proud and I was super grateful. I, I remember, I, like I, I said at dinner, I said, thanks so much to everybody for your help during the 10 years. Yeah. Couldn't have done it without you. There was a time in year two where, uh, I don't know, something happened with insurance and, uh, there was a mix up and I didn't have a car. So my brother drove me to every every game, you know, and uh, drove me, and brought me home, and everything uh, with equipment and everything like that in the middle of winter. So yeah, there was a lot of help along
0: the ways uh, growing. Yeah. Did your dad get his sixty bucks back for the two nets?
1: Yeah, yeah, he got, the, <laughs> <you> got <laughs> a, little, a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, and it was all good.
0: Well, David, uh, you know, I'm so grateful for you sharing the story and I'm so glad that you're healthy. Um, if people wanted to reach out, I don't know kind of how public you are. Is there a way to, to say hi? Do you take LinkedIn requests or is there a Twitter feed or what's the best way if someone wanted to say hi on social media?
1: Yeah, sure. LinkedIn uh, is pretty good, Dave Heimlich, and I'm happy to uh, always chat with anybody for sure.
0: Awesome. Well, Dave, congratulations again. Thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was really great and great to speak with you. And I really enjoyed the show and everything. And and thanks so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, no problem. Thanks for listening to Built to
1: Sell Radio with John Warrillow. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit builttosell.com slash blog.